I had this thing called vaginismus, which is an isthmus of the vag. Then I went to the University of Delaware's on-campus health center and had probably the most profoundly unhelpful meeting with a doctor that I've ever had in my life in which she in front of me Googled vaginismus and then printed out the Google results page. So not even the information, just the page of links. Unclickable because it's paper. Handed me (laughs) that. And then she gave me a bag of dildos and was like, you should use these. No information, just a page of unclickable links and a bag of dicks. I was supposed to return them and I never did. And then I got like a really nasty phone call from the University of Delaware that was like, where's our bag of dicks? Like you (laughs) But first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Man Or Podcast. Shout out to the Sexy Saints, to the Kinky Commanders, to the Big Titty Titans. Shout out to all the 69ing 49ers and all the 49ing 69ers. Football is back, babies, and I know almost none of you care. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. This is the only place, this is the only microphone where I feel ashamed and embarrassed to love sports ball. <laughs> but what's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show, to this series of weekly sex-positive conversations running over nine years strong. This week on the pod, I've got fellow comedian Elise Morales. Excited to share that conversation with you in just a little bit. But first, the one-year anniversary of Naked Comedy at Hacienda is this Saturday, September 16th. We've got two great shows, an 8 o'clock and a 10 o'clock, and tickets are still available, so go get yours now. Link at the top of the schnotes. It's BYOB and clothing optional. A little health update, everybody. I got an email from Tracy. She writes, loved your episode with Brenna. I heard the Front Porch Swingers bonus episode and couldn't wait to hear your podcast. But uh, just to let you know, yes, you can pass a kidney stone through ejaculation. And yes, it kills like a mother. Uh, Thank you for both the compliment and the warning, Tracy. So uh, here's the update. I go to the doctor, does the briefest examination, the most minimal amount of touching me and decides I need an ultrasound. Great. But of course, uh, you know, American healthcare system, they don't do ultrasounds there. That's been outsourced to cut costs at the actual doctor office. So now I've got to make an appointment at an ultrasound place and they don't have anything open until October. Gosh, I hope my insides don't blow up before then. So on Friday, I decided to go to the emergency room because I still got the pain and the discomfort. Turns out, turns out, just, just some inflammation. Just a kiss of the colitis. Nothing crazy. My blood work was fine. My urine was fine. CAT scan came back pretty fine. And all she tells me to do is like, hey, you know, follow up with GI, but come back to the ER if you like get a fever and can't keep food down, or if uh, if your poop is red or black. And that's when I realized, you know, being in your 30s, I think just being in your 30s is taking a shit, looking at the color on the toilet paper and saying, oh, good. All right, yeah, no, like the, 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 moving forward, it's just every day is making sure the poop is the right colors. The pain and discomfort is gone now, but like I read up that, oh, like colitis could be chronic or whatever. And so I'm like, fuck, what if this is the chronic one? And then how do you come to like fuck or like to want to fuck? Because like right now I I don't feel sexy at all, even though like my penis works. I, I don't necessarily have like a, a desire to use it at this moment. And then it really did make me think about, you know, those with chronic pain, chronic illness, physical disabilities, and and how that must interfere with sex lives. 
And I don't think it's I don't think it's something that we've covered enough on the podcast. I just don't think it's come up enough. I mean, today's conversation with Elise Morales certainly goes into, you know, her her issues with vaginismus and how that affected her and how she got out of it, but you know, there are a lot of people dealing with a lot of conditions and I think maybe I'm just a big old baby that I don't want to use my boner when my tummy feels weird. But um thank you Tracy for the concern. Glad I don't have to uh jizz a kidney stone i had my sister's wedding over the weekend it was uh, very beautiful i was very impressed with my sister's vows uh she says she didn't use anyone's help or chat gpt all on her own uh, which was uh, a little shocking to me because i used to she used to send me her, her papers to edit in college and uh you know the writing has vastly improved i will say i was very i was very proud of my baby sister and um in her vows, she talked about how her her husband makes her better, and it's something I love about both of my sisters' husbands. They've they haven't like made my sisters their projects or anything, but like they have improved kind of by osmosis, kind of by setting an example, have improved my sisters. They've made my sisters better people, and I've seen that kind of fl- not just within their relationships, but better people in their familial relationships and probably their friendships and whatever. And I think that's the type of partner I want. That's the type of long-term relationship I want to be in is with someone who pushes me to be a better version of me and allows me to push them to be a better version of them. I've definitely dated people who didn't really want to be pushed. And I've dated people who aren't pushing me very much where it would be really easy for me to get complacent and, and comfortable and, not do anything new. I don't want that. It seems like a lot of people want that. A lot of people want the comfort. Maybe this is Hyde's influence, my, my boarding school. Maybe it's their influence on me and the principle of Brothers Keeper. They instilled uh, at a young age where pushing each other to do better, you know, giving constructive criticism. These aren't attacks. These are uh, invitations to, to strive for one's uh, unique potential. And I think my sister has found a partner who wants her to reach hers. I realized I don't want to to find someone to sit on the front porch of life with and and point at shit to say how stupid things are and 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 kind of half joke about how imperfect we are. I want to be with someone who's confident in themselves. I want someone who sees the happy things in life. I want someone who has like the capacity to be happy. And there, there have been some people in my life where like I've tried to be that radically positive person and they, they're like, they're not having it. They're like, do not bring that positivity shit. I can't be happy. I did have one incident at the wedding though. Okay. So like I did not have a plus one, which I think is silly. I think if you invite me to your wedding of total mainstream normie types, you should you should insist I bring out, it should be mandatory that I bring a plus one just to keep me occupied, just to keep me from having to talk too much to your friends. Because what happens at a wedding when you talk to new people? What's one of the early questions? Hey, what do you do for a living? <laughs> you really want to put your friends through the awkward situation of like, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm doing a naked comedy show next weekend and they have to like half pretend they would maybe want to go. Come on now. Do you really do you really want like the topic of sex work decriminalization to come up at your wedding? Give me a plus one. Give me someone to hang out with. Like this this is for your benefit cuz like I don't mind going out and mingling with mixed company, but like you should want me not mingling with your mixed company. Anyways, so I don't have a plus one. I'm at the rehearsal dinner. Also, by the way, I met some sometimes people go, "Well, you know, if you're not in a serious relationship. I met some people who had plus ones where they'd been dating for four months. Come on now. Give me a plus one. Give me one. All right. So rehearsal dinner. Um, I'm at one I'm at the, at the immediate family table. I'm at one far end of the table at the very far end of the other table are, is my other sister, her husband. And then like, some members of the groom's family on the far other end of this table is me like at the actual end of the table. I'm seeing catty corner from the groom's brother across from the groom's brother's girlfriend of one year. And I'm sitting next to the groom's sister's 
boyfriend. Three people I've never met before. I'm trying to just be friendly. I'm making small talk. Being polite, what do you do for work? Oh, was was he do for work? Yeah, I have a member. Oh my god, don't the don't those brothers look so much alike? Blah blah blah. Where y'all live? What do I do? Okay. At some point, the groom's brother sits down and like looking annoyed. At, you know, I can't hear exactly what he says, but he says something kind of like I hear something like you never talk about with like me or or you don't talk like that with me. I, you know, something like he's not pleased with whatever he seems to think is happening. I try to chime in just to go, hey man, you know, not for nothing. First thing I'm asking her about is like, what do you do for work and about you? And he's just like, hey, I don't care. He like looks at me with this like linebacker intensity. Like, I don't care, dude. I don't give a fuck. He's making this really intense eye contact with me. He's like, I don't give a fuck. And then it just goes back to, to like reprimanding his girlfriend. I don't understand what's happening, but I'm like, I'm just gonna enjoy my steak, whatever. Some time passes, some time passes. Uh, Mom crushed her speech, very proud of her. Then again, I'm sitting across from this girlfriend and he's not sitting at the table and she says like, yeah, I'm just, I'm really pissed at him. He was upset that I was talking with you. Me? Please do not tell me that this very jacked, very handsome, very well-employed man is intimidated by me the softest bodied man in the room who makes the least amount of money. Come on now. I'm no threat. I don't know what's going on over there, but it seems like some kind of weird macho man possession shit. Like how dare you have a good time when I'm not sitting there? Whoa. And then the rest of the rest of the night, no more eye contact with me the next day at the wedding, barely any eye contact. It's so strange. I'm just sitting there eating my steak, drinking this wine, thinking monogamy culture is so fucking weird. And hey, you know how we could have avoided this entire problematic exchange in the first place is give Billy a plus one. Give me a friend to talk to. Before I get to this week's guest, Elise Morales, let's do a quick fan whore appreciation moment. Show a little love, show a little gratitude for members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Thank you for uh, supporting the Man Whore Podcast with not just your downloads, but your dollars. Thank you to Toby Afolion. Fact the Pats, man, unless you're the other one, in which case, man, I hope the Texans are going to be okay. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Thanks for supporting the show. I always try to look y'all up and see if I can give you something a little personalized, but sometimes y'all are a little uh, internet enigmas out there. Uh, and I want to give a thank you to the way less enigmatic Matthew Abrams. It was great to meet you at ManhorCon this year. Thanks for not only coming down to New York City with your girl, but for joining our online communities in the champagne room and the peep show we are so happy to have you and you too can become a member and support the podcast and join us for hot movie night next thursday september 21st at 9 15 p.m eastern time we will be watching taboo 2 with the uh, drool worthy k parker Exploring some of the other characters in this little universe uh, we opened up last month. Hot Movie Night is available to all of my Patreon members in the Champagne Room. Become a member today at any tier at patreon.com slash podcast Or download the Patreon app. You can find me on there. Elise Morales. She's a stand-up comedian, a writer, an actor, a podcaster over at Betches Media. She writes the Betches Sup newsletter. And honestly, I've never met Elise in my life. We've never had a conversation. Kind of went in blind on this one, but it worked out so nicely. Some, sometimes that happens when you, when you do this gig. You hit up people that just seem like you should talk to them. You know, you search sex positive comedian and her name's on the, on the front page. It's like, all right, let, let's have a chat. Uh, sometimes they're real big duds. Long-time listeners definitely know that there have been some duds of people where I'm like, I'm just going in and hoping you have a personality. Uh, anyways, Elise didn't, uh, didn't disappoint at all. We discussed vaginismus. We discussed uh, uh, being married to and dating a stand-up comedian. We talked zodiac signs, and we talked sex positivity. 
This was a good gab. You are all in for a treat. Let's do a couple ads and then uh, chat with Elise Morales. It was like, so you know how you have a job and then like you get paid. It's the same (laughs) thing, but our job is that we do this podcast. And he was like, huh, okay. And I'm like, do you listen to podcasts? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, so some of those people, they're receiving money. (laughs) It's why sometimes you'll hear an ad, like... (laughs) A Patreon, clearly a Patreon you don't give to, but like other nicer people. (laughs) I'm like, I, it's, it's okay, man. And he's like, and people listen to it. I'm like, yeah, people listen. (laughs) (laughs) You, you might not be one of them, but other people. Yeah. But thanks for uh, joining us. Elise Morales, Mm -hmm. fellow comedian, professional funny person so wait wait you make yep. you make money uh doing comedy it's- i do make i make um a, a varied amount of money uh, <laughs> your husband too <laughs> my my husband has he makes a varied amount of money as well but he has a day job i'm the one who has left myself to the whims of the entertainment industry which in the past has been okay and this year i would say has been not as great, um, yeah. not as good of a decision, not as fruitful. Uh, yeah, uh, being on strike, not a really uh, sexy decision. <laughs> no, a decision I support certainly, but as the strike moves on longer and longer, I'm like, damn, it would be great if I was an extremely rich executive right now. Like, mm-hmm. I would certainly probably be able to weather the storm a little bit better. Yeah. You know, I found I actually stumbled upon you about like a year ago or whatever, because I literally was just searching sex positive comedians. Oh, because I did a sex positive comedy show. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) That is because I hosted a comedy show. God, it would be like. A long time ago. A long time ago now. But like like still you're the first page of Google. That's so funny. Well, then honestly, then we got to do better because that show was eight years ago and it was a one off show that I did with my friend Betsy. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. But um, that like I should not be the first person that's coming up on Google. (laughs) That's actually not good. (laughs) Is that is that not part of the brand or just not so recently part of it? Not so recently part of the brand. I mean, it remains part of the brand in that I. I remain a sex positive person in my day to day life, I would say. But um, yeah, I think and like I do news and politics stuff where we talk about, you know, topics that relate to sexuality as they relate to news and politics. But I would just I would have hoped that someone would have overtaken me as the first Google result at this point, given that that was one show. How, how does uh, how does sex positivity go into what you create in the stand up you do? Well, I let so I'm the type of person where as a stand up and as a comedian, I really like to talk mostly like stories from my own life and my own experiences. And I try to be kind of no holds barred about it. So right now, the closer that I do is about um, when I was a kid, I <laughs> I walked in on my dad eating out my mom. <laughs> oh! Which I would say probably started the sex positivity journey. Um like of of, the, of I, yeah. the acts you walk in on your parents doing, that's the one you can be like, I guess, most proud of. But yeah, like I'm happy still not for them. Fun. I'm I'm happy. <laughs> Ultimately, as an adult, now that I look back, I'm happy that two kids in there they were doing that. Did I need to see it? Maybe no. not. Um, was I confused when I saw it because I didn't really know what I was looking at? Absolutely. How old were you? I was like nine. Oh, we were, I'll, I'll go into it. We were at my grandmother's house. We were stay. We were staying in my grandma's apartment because we, she lived in this apartment complex. And so my grandma was staying down her best friend lived downstairs so she stayed downstairs with her friend we were staying at my grandma's apartment we my sister and i were in this little side room i watched i think snow white 
And it was scary because people don't remember this, but Snow White actually is kind of scary as mm. a movie. There's some frightening imagery when she's in the forest. And I got, I was like an easily frightened kid. So I got scared. So I went to my parents, or I went to my grandma's room where my parents were sleeping to be like, I'm scared. And I opened the door and I saw my dad right in there, you know? Were you and like, a oh, dad's looking for something? Did he lose something? <laughs> I knew. I try to like, I really try to put myself back in the place. I knew that something was going on that was like naughty. <laughs> that I should that I didn't need to see. Like I didn't I wasn't, you know, oh, too aware of sex at that time, but I think I knew like kind of what it was and I was like this is related to that. Like I, oh. I was like I don't really understand sex, but I know kissing and I know that there are private areas and I'm kind of putting two and two together that this is kind of related to that sex thing that I keep hearing about. Yeah. And I do this in the joke, but basically my dad just went, blah, and I went, blah, and then like, I ran, we didn't ever talk about that. Like, Your poor again. mother in that entire exchange, by the way. Vibe absolutely killed. Like, I don't know where she was in, if they had begun, if she was towards the end, but I'm sure it was over at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were in my grandma's bed. Oh, that's like which the extra is, small little garnish of detail. Yeah, which again, my grandma's like a Cuban lady who like is super religious. So, and this again, <laughs> I say in the joke, but like they're literally surrounded by crucifixes, portraits of Jesus, holy water. Like it's an extreme. My grandma's bedroom was an extremely religious place. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I think that that started my journey of sex positivity. <laughs> Did y'all ever discuss it? We never discussed it again until my mom came to see me do a stand up show for the, it was like a women's benefit show and Gloria Steinem was there <laughs> and I did the joke and I warned my mom ahead of time. I was like, mom, I'm going to do a joke about you that you might find shocking. And she was like, whatever. And then I did the joke and I asked her afterwards, like, okay, are you like upset that I did that joke in front of Gloria Steinem? And she goes, no. I want her to know. <laughs> and I was Way like, to go, yeah, mom. mom. Absolutely. And Gloria Steinem liked the joke, as far as I could tell. She was laughing. So, Amazing. Um, yeah. And, I, and they met afterwards. I was like, this is my mom. And Gloria Steinem was like, oh. <laughs> mm. Hope you're still getting it. <laughs> so I do like to think that I gave my mom kind of an experience that she never would have imagined, which was like twice having yeah having yeah exactly like i was like i'm gonna keep blowing your mind lady like <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> so yeah yeah that was definitely a crazy thing that happened have you always been comfortable talking about uh sex on stage you know it was it was a journey because, and this is something I've been very open and public about. When I was first becoming sexually active, I had this thing called vaginismus. Oh. Which is yeah. an isthmus of the vag. And <laughs> <laughs> Tells me everything. <laughs> it's right in the name. Yeah. Uh, which is basically this thing where, like, for me, it was because. You know, you like as a girl growing up, you always hear that sex is going to be painful. So I and I don't like anything to be painful. I'm actually very scared of things being painful. So it created this like psychosomatic situation where I would like you clench up your pelvic floor muscles, which are mm -hmm. the muscles that are down there. And then it makes it creates a situation in which sex is painful. So the so the fear of sex being painful created a situation where the sex is painful and usually right. it's like you like close up shop down there i think maria bamford has talked about this mm -hmm. in the past as well but so like 
for a long time, even throughout like all of college, I was dealing with that and I didn't know what the fuck was going on with me. And it was like a deep secret, like the deepest secret that I had that I was like, Mm. I don't, I think my vagina is closed. Like I was like, I don't know what is going on. Then I finally found out what it was because my college boyfriend sent me a Reddit article. (laughs) Naturally, as college boyfriends are prone to do. Yeah, exactly. My college boyfriend forwarded me some like a Reddit page, like r slash vaginismus. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Then I went to the University of Delaware's on campus health center and um, had probably the most profoundly unhelpful meeting with a doctor that I've ever had in my life in which she in front of me Googled vaginismus and then printed out the Google results page. So not even the information, just the page of links. That you can't click on because it's paper. Unclickable because it's paper. (laughs) Handed me that. And then she gave me like a bag of dildos and was like, you should use these. And I was like, Okay. Now, are these actual not, dildos or are these like the dilator sets that you Dilators, like rubber okay. dilator sets, basically. No information, just yeah. a page of unclickable links and a bag of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> You've been prescribed a bag of dicks. <laughs> With, and that's all the information I have. So I immediately, like, I go home, I put the bag of dicks under my bed. I don't do anything with them. Then eventually, like... I was supposed to return them and I never did. And then I got like a really nasty phone call from the University of Delaware that was like, where's our bag of dicks? Like you. (laughs) Are you supposed to give those back? Apparently, because they were mad and they were like, we we need those. But and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I thought these were mine to keep, but whatever. And I never did give them back. So I don't know if they had to buy new dicks or what the situation was, but I didn't give mine back. (laughs) because i didn't appreciate the tone of the phone call oh that's why (laughs) not because it's a weird concept like these were just inside my body uh here you go yeah well i also never used them so they were like completely still in the packaging and i was like i could return these but i don't appreciate the way that i've been treated (laughs) did you think at all like wait i don't want to put these in me now extra because were these in someone else i i mean that like I had never considered that they would have been pre-used in any kind of way, but getting that phone call, I was like, oh my God, have these been used before? Like, I was like, this is horrible and I'm not returning them. You guys have to buy new rubber dilators. And you also should Google vaginismus on your own time and learn about it in case you have another student come here. So then uh, I... Speaking of my sex positive parents, I basically had to go because I had like I was on their insurance and I had like no money, but I found this place on I was moving to New York and I found this place on Long Island called the Women's Therapy Center that does vaginismus therapy, basically. Yeah. And I had to go to my parents and basically tell them about my situation and be like, Will you pay for this? And because again, they're cool, they're eating each other's <laughs> genitals and shit. They were yeah. like, Yes, we will pay for it. So that was like concurrent with when I first moved to New York. And once that was done and a whole new world of enjoyable sex had opened up for me, I feel like sex and talking about it and telling that story and being like open about where I came from just kind of naturally became part of my comedy because I'm just the type of person where like, the jokes I do on stage are about what's going on in my life. So if I'm going to Long Island every week to meet up with two ladies who have given me my own bespoke rubber dicks to use, (laughs) that like, I'm obviously going to talk about that. Uh, And, and, you know, for listeners who are unaware, you know, vaginism can be psychosomatic, like you were Mm -hmm. describing, or it could be like a physical thing. Uh, how long did it take for you to get, we'll say, loosened up? <laughs> loosened up is a great term because that is that's pretty much what happened. I was going to that to the, that place. I think it took six to nine months to complete like the physical therapy aspect of mm. it. And then I kept going back for just like regular therapy, but then it was just 
it was kind of a slog. Like I was living in Brooklyn. It was like all the way out in Long Island. I had to take the LIRR. It was like a whole to do to like get out there. And I also was like at my absolute brokest. So like it was like the LIRR to a taxi and like Ubers weren't even ubiquitous then. So like it was a weird thing to try to get the taxi from the trains. Like it was just, it was really like this whole it, it would take up like my entire day on the day mm. that I was doing that. And then also like, it's just emotionally like kind of a lot going on to sure. do that. And then it's like, you go, you do this physical therapy that is very like intimate and emotional. And then you get back in a taxi and back on the LIRR and All back right. on the train. So it was a lot, but I think it took, if I'm remembering correctly, like six to nine months. Was that also with like, uh, uh, like mental therapy, like, cause like, obviously yeah. it's, it's, you know, they were telling you, Hey, this is mostly in your head. So the six to nine months, is that like some of it's for the, the dilators and the physical part, but uh, you know, the rest was just getting you relaxed. Yeah. It was a kind of a combination of the two. If I'm remembering correctly, it was like a while ago now. Cause I moved to mm. New York 11 years ago. And this was like, right when I got to New York. Cause I was like, if I'm moving to the city, I'm gonna fuck. this is a fuck city where were you moving from i was moving so i grew up uh for the most part in virginia but i moved straight from university of delaware and yeah and i was like it it was specifically to do comedy i'm actually the listeners can't see this but i'm wearing my rubber chickens my university of delaware improv team sweatshirt (laughs) it wasn't like the rubber game uh game hawks or cocks or whatever rubber chickens baby okay because we're the blue hens so it does work and our our house that was demolished oh, that's kansas is, is gamecocks y'all the hens yeah i forgot yeah we're the hens and um we called our house that we all lived in the coop uh but i had become like obsessed with comedy there and there were a bunch of people from the rubber chickens that had moved to new york and started doing ucb stuff so i was like that like by the time senior year came around i was like i'm just finishing these credits and I'm getting out of here and I'm getting to New York and I'm gonna fuck. fuck. Were you not <laughs> doing that down at UD? I had boyfriends and stuff and we were doing other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, because of the vaginismus, I just really couldn't mm. like actually have full PIV intercourse. So what was the first time you have PIV intercourse post all that therapy You've associated being penetrated with pain for all this time. You've done all this. That first time you did it, what was that like? Not not just physically, but like emotionally, psychologically. I was so fucking stoked. I like, I I can't even tell you like how excited I was. It was, first of all, it was really funny because there was just this like, guy who was a friend of mine who we'd like had a will they won't they flirtation for a long time and then one night I was on Facebook Messenger this was in the height of Facebook Messenger and he and I were talking and I had told him about what I was going through and all this stuff and I was like you know it's been nine months and I really think that like I could just have sex at this point would you want to come over and he was like absolutely nice <laughs> it's, it's a- you know, we were like 21 and like, I think for the most part, if you're like a 21 year old young woman out about in the town and you DM a guy and are like, would you like to come over and test the theory that I can have sex? He will probably come over. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he came over and because you're also, by the way, you're also not only is it sex, you're also giving him like purpose in that like yeah, exactly. we have a we have a, a goal to do and it's like oh you can be useful exactly that, ma- that exactly. would make me extra excited to be like oh good i can i can help with something uh whether yeah. it's like you know install your tv or test your pussy like oh good uh, i i can do a thing exactly <laughs> a i friend. have a mission if you choose to accept it and he was like <laughs> i accept the mission <laughs> so so he came over and i just remember like truly when it went in I was so like yeah like (laughs) like, just a feeling of excitement that is like I really don't think it can be matched because I was like it, it really felt like this thing of like the old me is officially behind me 
And now is this whole new world of like, I can do whatever the hell I want. And I was so excited about it. And so, and I like, I liked him. Like I had a crush. I didn't just pick anyone. (laughs) I liked him. And so I was like, amazing. I finally hooked up with this guy that I like. It totally went in and went in and out and all the stuff it's supposed to do. (laughs) And it felt totally normal. And now like the city is open to possible. I am open and so is New York. And she spreads her legs. She's like, I have arrived. And so is but she. I, that That's like literally how it felt. Yeah. Was that, it just like, da, 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 start spreading the news. <laughs> like that was absolutely the feeling of, of the whole thing. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. It's so funny to think back on it because like, that truly was for a period of time, my deepest, darkest secret. And now like, I'm talking about it on podcasts. I've like written about it for stuff. I'll talk about it on stage. I'm just like, there's no reason to, yeah, to like keep that to yourself or to fear it. And also the fact that I kept it to myself for so long was what kept me from like getting the information or seeking out the information. And so... I kind of made it my mission to like be as open about it as possible, put my story out there for anyone who's, you know, dealing with the same thing to find. And like, I have had people reach out to me to be like, Oh, I read your article on this. I heard this podcast. This really helped me. Like, and that feels really good. Like if I can stop someone or if I can help someone else, not like, have to go through the weird convoluted Reddit journey that I had to go on to figure out what the hell was going on. I consider that a positive. Amazing. Amazing. Um, another dysfunction. It seems like you have not recovered from though, uh, was, uh, uh, being, uh, dating comedians. Yeah, I am. I married one. Yeah. I well, married one. Are, are, <laughs> Why? <laughs> Are, you know, because so many, so many comics, because here's what I hear about, I hear comics say like, I'm only dating comedians or like never dating comedians and not for none, swiping through apps, the amount, I I very often will see like a, you know, no comedians type of thing or references to that. Are are all these women who don't want to date male comics, are they wrong or are you crazy? Oh, you know, it can be a little bit of, I it, it's a little bit of both. I would say that um i think that male comedians in general are <laughs> <laughs> you you have to find one who is genuinely like look if you if you yourself are a comedian uh-huh. and you want to date male comedians you have to find one that is actually secure in himself, which is a tough bet, yeah. I would say. Me and my husband, we're actually eight years apart. Age gap. We're an hey. age gap. <laughs> and so I feel like by the time I met him, like I was in my late 20s. He's in his middle 30s. He was like secure in himself, in his voice, all of that stuff that like he was not in a place where if like my successes or my creativity felt like threatening to him. Mm -hmm. But I dated a lot of comedians before then. And I certainly dated some where there there was like genuine jealousy and anger on their part and like animosity that would be I would be like so confused by it because personally my feeling was always that I kind of wanted to be in like a comedy power couple type thing I like idealized that vibe that I was like oh like I'm creative and he's creative and we're funny together and we're this cute comedy couple I always wanted that but in my search for that I found that a lot of comedy guys actually just want a cheerleader Uh who maybe understands the industry enough to understand how what they're doing is really great. But like, like they want, he wants like, he wants a girl who's taken all the improv classes so they can understand how fucking cool it is that they made a team, Yeah, but they don't want her to make a team Yeah, or for her to like, 
God forbid, get get on a better team or, or any, get like, booked or start... for something big. God forbid. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I definitely encountered that. But I feel like with my husband, number one, like he was just already like a grown man who was secure in himself. And also, I just do think my husband's a little different from your typical comedy guy in that, like, he's like a uh, like football guy from Wisconsin, and a nice. lot, exactly. And a lot I'm of the wearing my guys, Jets jersey. A lot of the comedy guys I was dating were like, like nerd, former nerd guys one of them was homeschooled who like this was their shot to be the big man on campus. Like comedy was their chance to the like big man eat. on campus. You mean at home Thanksgiving? Literally. <laughs> I, I mean, literally, but like, the, like the campus being like at the UCB theater, cause sure. that's like where I came up or whatever. Like this was their one shot at being a popular kid and like doing all the popular kids stuff. But like my husband had already been football, like, star guy who was cool and all of that stuff and like you know lived in Chicago for a bunch of years and was like a bouncer and all of these things like he's his ego has been like placated enough in his life that Hmm. he didn't need like a comedy cheerleader girlfriend I feel yeah yeah this is something I hear very often I mean both in comedy when people talk about like oh sense of humor and, and like you said it's like oh I don't I don't want someone who's funny. I want someone who's going to think I'm funny. But then you see, you hear that elsewhere, all these other professions, if she makes more money than if she has a nicer car than him Uh, to me, I hope that one, I hope whoever I'm dating makes more money than me because there's not a lot of space underneath uh, to to go. (laughs) Uh, mm. And then, and then, um, you know, I don't know. Like I want someone who makes me laugh. I don't want to do all the heavy lifting on a date. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny because it's like, you you would think that in this profession you want someone who's going to make you laugh. But I feel like I've met really it's like split down the middle and I can only speak for dating guys. But I definitely have seen a lot of like straight comedy dudes who like definitely just want someone who's going to be who wants like a one woman audience mm-hmm. that also will sleep with them. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. I mean, listen to each their own. If she likes that also, like if she wants to be the, his giggle chorus, that's fine. But I'm like, no, I want us to be like joking with each other. And what I really do like about my relationship with my husband is we also have like, totally different comedic sensibilities and styles so like he says funny stuff that just like surprises and delights me all the time and I think it's like vice versa because he's very like physical loud silly goofy and I'm more of like the cerebral sarcastic northeasterner girlfriend Uh, you know, when, when you having, you know, having already dated some like comics, like you meet your husband, are there things like on the checklist you're looking out for, whether the red flags or things you want that you're like on the looks for to see like, uh, guys, it's another one of those or, Hey, maybe he's got what I need. I, so when I met my husband, we had met through comedy around, um, and I, has who approached who, this- by the way? Because like I'm terrified though. Anytime I hook up with comics, they have to hit on me because like I I see everyone as colleagues and like we're kind of always at work. Yeah, I would say that it was like a somewhat mutual approach. But basically, what happened was like I had been like dating this one dude who fell into like the other category of like kind of cerebral comedy guy who like really thought he was very smart and like all that stuff. And I'd been seeing him. I saw him for like well past the relationship's expiration date because his parents lived in London and they were going to fly us out. And I had never been to London. So So I really wanted to go. Um, And then I felt like once we got back, I had to wait. Like I couldn't immediately break up. So I had to give it 
like a buffer and then but that breakup finally much happened buffer? <laughs> i think it was like one or like a couple months that's I was a like, big I can't buffer. make it seem well because i was very in my head about being like well i can't make it seem like i really just wanted to go on this trip to london sure <laughs> You know, I was like 26 at the time. And I do think it was a little insensitive because I mean, more than a little insensitive because truly as soon as that relationship was over, I was so I was done. I was out. I was doing whatever the fuck I wanted. And I was like so over it. And I kind of forgot that for this other person, that relationship actually had just ended. <laughs> like it, it I, like they were not planning to break up with me before the London trip and then giving it a buffer. They were like actually genuinely like, Oh, I thought this relationship was going well. Does every time like so, he say I love you, you feel bad? I think I did. Yeah. I Ugh. um I know. I feel like I'm I I have a little bit of like regret about it. Not a huge amount because I like kind of immediately met my husband and it is what it sure. is. Yeah. And it was I wasn't mean. I wasn't mean about it, but I definitely was like very done with the relationship as soon as it ended in a way that I think led to some hurt feelings for sure. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so that relationship had ended and I saw Danny, my husband at the annoyance theater, which was still open at the time, which is where I had met him. And he, we kind of like locked eyes in that way that you lock eyes when you know it's going to be on. And he said like, Hey, you know, he was like, Hey, what's going on? How you been? And I, I literally said, um, good single, single actually. Um, <laughs> put that, put that out there. No big deal, yeah. but just, you should know. Yeah. He was like, how are you? And my answer was single. And then we saw each other again at a friend's birthday party, not long after that. And once again, just like locked eyes and it was totally on. We got really drunk and hooked up. We were actually both so drunk that his friends um, s talked amongst themselves about maybe stopping us from hooking up because they were like, these are two people who are blackout drunk and maybe we should just like not allow that to happen. But they did let us hook up. And in that one instance, <laughs> that was the correct. We did end up married. So they made the right choice. Right. <laughs> but I do always say that it was the only time because I'm not like a huge blackout person, but it was the only time in my life that I woke up in bed with someone else in my bed and I had not expected I was genuinely shocked to find them there. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, someone's here. And then I got up and I looked over and it was him. And I was like, oh, okay, great. It's Danny Grow. I had been meaning to get this situation going. Sure. I guess I locked that down last night. Go me. Um, glad his friends aren't that strict. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I was also like, like good glad. sign of those friends. Like, isn't it right? nice to know your, your, your husband has friends who would think that as a maybe? Yes. Yeah, that exactly. gives you a little hope. Yeah, like genuinely a good crew of people. I'm ultimately glad. I, I think if they had stopped us, it would have like that train was uh, was headed to the station. <laughs> but um, it you know it all worked out, and then we started we started like dating pretty quickly. Like we were just really, I, I just really, again, he was like really different than any other guy I had dated. His background was really, really different than any guy I had dated. Um, and I just found him to be very fascinating. Like I'd mm. never spent time with a guy like him. So we were, we were always talking, always like meeting up pretty quickly. We were like going on a bunch of dates. And then the other big like story of our courtship is he was one of those guys, again, this is like eight years ago now, like 20, yeah, like 2016 ish that he like held on to having a flip phone for like way too long and like kind of had that be part of his personality. Do you, are you a flip phone guy? I mean, not now. I, I, but oh, like I, I, I didn't convert on. until the end of 2012, uh, Christmas, 2012. I said, okay, mom, you can get me. And I, cause it would every year it would be like, can we get you an iPhone? I'd be like, no, 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 no. I like my flip phone. And then finally I caved. Cause I was like, I so want people to take me seriously. He held on until 2016. And what That's, he had was a flip wow. phone. And then he had an iPod that touch. wasn't 
like it wasn't activated, but uh, he could lo- he could get into Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi with that. So he had these two devices. And one night he and I were texting and I hadn't gone out, but he had gone out and I was like, well, if you want to come over, like when you're done, you know, like you can come sleep over. And he had said, yeah. So we had these plans. And then I never hear from him. I don't hear from him the whole night. And I wake up the next morning and I'm like, that's really weird. I have this like bad feeling in my stomach. I text him again. So now I've double texted him, which makes me feel horrible. And I'm like, hey, like missed you last night. Like, you know, let me know if you want to hang out some other time this weekend. I hear nothing. I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my God. He met another girl. He hooked up with her. He's ghosting me. I think I sent one more text. And then I was like, I simply can't send any more than three texts that aren't responded to. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll look like a fool. I went to improv practice, which was like, this was for a UCB team. So you had to practice and it had to be three hours long. So I was like, if at the end of this three hour long practice, he hasn't responded to me, fuck him. Like he's an asshole. And I got to the end of the practice. No, no text from him. So I have this like very distinct memory of walking home with my friend Bailey, who ended up being a bridesmaid in our wedding and being like, Danny Gro has this whole Midwestern nice guy act. It's a fucking lie. He's an asshole. He's a dog. Fuck him, blah, blah, blah. And then when I got home, I had a Facebook message. And apparently his flip phone had stopped sending or receiving text messages. And he had also been texting me since the night before being like, hey, what's up? Hadn't been getting any responses had had the whole same thing being like, oh my God, she just stopped responding to me. What's going on? Eventually went to his friends in the green room of the annoyance and was like, are any of you guys receiving my texts? Sent a bunch of texts. None of them received them. And he realized that it, his phone had almost driven us apart. And it was after that that he finally got a smartphone. I mean, I don't, I don't love generalizing, but I will say y'all ladies love to, when scorned by like a decent dude, love to go like, it was all a lie. True. Fake nice bullshit. (laughs) The way I flipped after 12 hours of no responses, I truly dragged. I, I, we were walking down the street and I was like, that motherfucker, he acts like he's different. He's he's on our first date saying, I love my mom. He doesn't love his mom. He like, just like absolutely completely. If you loved your mom, you would have came over and fucked me last night. No, it's exactly. If you loved your mom, you would have texted me back. But <laughs> and then it turned out that like he had actually been going through the same thing. He had texted me, been like, she's not responding, she's not answering what's going on. And it was because he because he had that fucking flip phone. And he had max, it had maxed out on text messages, which I didn't even know was like a thing. Didn't know it was a thing. I knew you could fill up the contacts list. On my flip phone, you were capped at like 250. So when I was in college or if I go out to a bar, like if I wanted to pick up someone's number, I would typically would have to say like, oh, well, let's go through and figure out who I should delete so I can take your number, which became its own like move in a way by accident. Yeah, uh, where it's like, look, see, I'm going to take someone out of my contacts list. That's how pretty you are. And it's it so almost special. always was like an Amanda because that's the first names you go through. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, I totally get it. Being an A name in the days of like flip phones and pocket dialing and stuff was tough. I used to get a lot of butt dials, which I oh, no. feel like has been cut down on, but as an Elise with an A, anytime I would get a random phone call from someone I wasn't expecting, I was like 99.9% sure it was a butt dial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Used to happen to me a lot. Okay. This is going to be a little weird. I clipped out what was going to play right here. I clipped out this last chunk and it's coming out tomorrow exclusively on Patreon. This isn't the Patreon plug. That's coming in a couple minutes. I'm just saying we're going to reference like a thing or two. And you're going to go like, huh? And it's 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 from the bonus episode that you didn't hear yet. I just, anytime someone says the phrase, the N-word, and you don't understand why, I felt I feel like it needs to be explained. Now we're going to go into the plugs. Yes. Um, Elise, thank you so much for, for making the time to chat with us. Oh, I'm glad we could have you on. 
Um, this was so much fun. I loved yeah, chatting. Yeah, I uh, I get nervous when it's when the guest is someone I've never like met or talked to. Like so, yeah, because like, I have no idea how this is gonna go. Um, it's like I can listen to some podcasts you've been on, but yeah, sometimes it's real hit or miss when I ask a stranger about their sex life. So thank you for yeah. Well, listen, I feel like we I feel like we got right into it. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're a great interviewer. I felt very comfortable to talk about my sex life, my parents' sex lives. Uh, <laughs> At least <laughs> fucked up people I've met at the Harry Potter convention. Yeah. <laughs> Elise, uh, where can people go to find you, follow you, check out your work, see you not say the N-word? Where, where can they? Absolutely. And you won't. You won't be seeing you won't be seeing or hearing that. But if you want to hear me say a whole host of other words, uh, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on Instagram at Pandalise. That's P-A-N-D-A-L-I-S-E. I'm on TikTok at Elise Navidad. Uh, which is my name plus Navidad. And yeah, that's pretty much where I'll post everything. If I've got shows, you'll find them there. If I've got anything going on, you'll find them there. Um, Hopefully going to have like some fun, new, non-struck projects coming out soon. So follow me there and you'll see when they come out. Yeah. And, and, and for the, for the, uh, for the new, new age white girls listening. Also, you have like what, two books on astrology? I do. I will. Okay. So I have one astrology book and then I have a a forthcoming astrology title, Mm. but you can get Zodiac Connections, uh, which is like, it's just a bunch of like funny lists, like based on what like what each sign would do in certain situations zodiac connections that's available literally everywhere just type in elise morales zodiac connections and then my next one should be out early next year i think maybe in march and it's called stuff your astrologer didn't tell you and it's like um like a i like roast every sign and every chapter is like me telling you what's bad about your sign instead of what's good about it oh oh wow i don't i don't need to hear any more gemini hate because uh i have plenty of reasons (laughs) to hate myself i don't need it uh my sign to to add more to it gemini's do get get uh, a bad rep and um scorpios have a tough time which is funny because so like each when the book comes out, each chapter starts with like five notorious names from each, like with each sign. And um, Gemini has a huge, it, it was like, Gemini has a lot, but also they were all so like controversial that I couldn't use any, like, because the, the book is not like a political book. So I was like, okay, I can't put Donald Trump in here. I'm not going to put Kanye in here. I'm not. But and then the rest are all serial killers. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm lots glad of I'm in good killers. company. Amazing. A lot of serial killers. Donald Trump. <laughs> other figures of that are notorious on a level where I was like, I'm just trying to have this book be fun. But then I'm a Taurus, and we have Hitler, who I also didn't include because I was like, I'm not putting Hitler in my fun astrology book. I'm just not. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I I put a blanket just like. I kept Nazis out of the book in general, and I think that was the right choice. I think it's the right choice. It's the right choice. Keep, yeah. the, keep them off the list. Keep that word off your T-shirts, and let's just have some yeah, fun. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, we'll, and we'll all just have fun. Let's yeah. just have fun, guys. <laughs> well, at least thanks for having fun with us. And uh, why don't you go yeah. ahead and say, good, uh, say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Don't forget to eat out your wife. <laughs> Filthy. Filthy. <laughs> The best place to discuss this week's show is in the episode discussion channel in the Champagne Room on Discord. Don't be intimidated by the word Discord, okay? This is one of those, like, not so new, but kind of new to you, social media apps where you're like, this is a good one. This is like if AOL chat rooms had a bunch of, like, sub AOL chat rooms within them and, like, then removed a bunch of the the anti-Semitism. And then added some like kink. That's that's the champagne room. The champagne room is also where we do our uh, hot movie nights. I hope you'll be joining us there next Thursday, September 21st, to watch Taboo 2. Join our communities at patreon.com slash podcast, Or you can download the Patreon app and find me on there. I'll have a bonus episode with Elise Morales coming out tomorrow exclusively on the Patreon. So stay tuned for a little little bit of a taste, a little bit of teaser of that. 
Uh, and, and one other thing I didn't get to mention uh, in the intro, but uh, I have a new article out on Mashable.com. Link in the notes. It's about a lot of the anti-porn legislation that's been going on. It's a state-by-state recap. So you're going to want to check out this article and see if you need to call your state senator, your state assembly person, and keep them the fuck in line. Oh, and a last-minute shout-out to my boys, the New York Jetropolitans, on a crazy, wild, fucking historic-ass win. At MetLife Stadium Monday night. I'm recording this on Tuesday. And man, I was in that stadium. And it was wild. It was fire. Yeah, we lost Aaron Rodgers. But we are more than just one player. Gotta throw out a J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. At the end of this here Man Whore podcast. Because none of y'all care enough about football for me to talk about it in the intro. So this is where I, just, this is where I tucked it in. Just slipped it right there you know apply a little lube and just very carefully just with some deep breathing got it uh, in there stay slutty this girl comes up on stage and she's like she's got like a fan made t-shirt on and i can't tell what it says and i go like oh what's your shirt say and she goes um well, I'll tell you, but don't be mad. And I'm like, hmm. I, and I just, in that moment, I was just like, it's going to say something like, I, like a, a like a Harry Potter opinion that's like controversial. Like that Harry and Hermione should have ended up together. Like some, I don't Harry know. Harry was, was truly gonna, a Slytherin the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Some, I just <laughs> thought it was going to be like a hair, like a, sure. a controversial Harry Potter opinion. Yeah. And instead, I was like, okay, no, tell us what it says. It said, free my N-word, Sirius. And she's like a white girl. Sirius is Harry's uncle who's been in prison. Anyway, and so she says the word. And now I'm like on stage in front of all these people. (laughs) And I'm like, 